Yeah, get on that microphone-shaped horse and ride. Welcome to How to Be an Okay Person. I am Lindsay Chrysler. And I am Robbie Carlton. And here we go. Here we go. We had a little winter break. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's still spring. It's the it's the peak of spring right now. Right? Yeah, the the ping. The ping. The ping. It doesn't really work. Usually it works. Let's just keep moving. Yeah, we just we both just had birthdays. I feel like now is kind of the New Year resolution time. Uh huh. Yeah, those stupid people putting out some episode about how to form habits on January first. When it's like everyone's so depressed. What were we yeah. thinking? What were we thinking? We were just we were just riding the cultural delusion. <laughs> Now's the time. Now's the time to get moving. Get out there. I think so. I definitely feel more more sap running through my through my veins than I mm-hmm. did a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're doing the bells again. Uh-huh. That's about it, but it feels good. <laughs> I'm thinking about doing the bells again. Yeah, that's the same thing. It's basically, you know, A for effort. Intention is everything. There are athletes who, uh, you know, you practice, right? Like you practice your tennis swing in your mind. You visualize it. And apparently it actually builds muscle mass. Just just visualizing your, your uh, serve builds muscle mass. Really? Yeah. So you don't need to do the bells. I can just visualize myself doing the bells. Yeah, but th- then you may as well just do them because like... Right. Because you get more self-esteem when you actually do them. Right. Rather than sit like 20 feet from them in another room making pictures of doing the bells. What else have I thought about doing? <laughs> I did build a new altar. Uh-huh. And I sat at it a few times. God time is... I don't know. but I, I, I have tons of excuses of why I haven't been doing things. But... Mm-hmm. But... There was a there was a week. There was like three days of last week where I was really on it. Mm-hmm. God time was back. The bells were back. It was a good time. Do you have aspirations to get back there? I do. Uh huh. I do. I noticed if I buy fresh flowers, that's a good sign. Huh. Fresh flowers on the altar. We're in business. Okay. So, what about today? What about today's show? Yeah. Well, let's do it. Great. It's perfect time for today's show because it's springtime. I'm thinking about the doing bells. You're you're actually doing the bells. Like we there is a there is an upward movement happening. Yeah. So I'll maybe I'll give just a little context about like what moved in me to 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 kind of get us to, to the topic for this this show, which was I, a few different things, but one was I felt incomplete. We did this episode, The Down, about The Down. Um, if you haven't listened to it, I, I strongly recommend it. It's one of our most popular episodes, and um, I really liked it. It's the one I'm most proud of. Um, and, you know, it's the the headline is it's about kind of the emotional lows in life and the how to be with them and the value of them and the, kind of their place in life. Um, and a little bit about like the, the, the unconscious ways that we try and avoid them um, and cause uh, disconnect in our lives. And so that's the down. Um, and it's, it's good stuff and it's important stuff. But I was left a little incomplete after kind of that episode just being out there for a while. This feeling that like, oh, it's not the whole picture though there's something else to talk about so this show we're calling the good um not the up the good and you know and i one of the central messages of the down the the episode was that um nothing can save you the bad news is nothing can save you and the good news is you don't need saving and and that's true but there's something else that's worth paying attention to. And if you just have that, and I'll, I'll say, I'll take it a little more personal. So after recording that episode, I experienced some, um, what I, you know, one one way of making sense of it was like a, a re-emergence um, of some early trauma mm-hmm. in my nervous system. So this kind of pretty um, content-free 
intense nervous system activation that started happening. And there are reasons it makes sense in my life. And like there's, there was a lot that contributed to what kind of started that off. But once it was going, I found um, that there were things that helped. Mm-hmm. And there was a disconnection from something that this that this this nervous system activation was um, creating, and there was a, a reconnection with this thing when I would do things that helped. Mm-hmm. And so the thing I'm call I'm going to call the good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in in uh, Tibetan Buddhism, they talk about this that like the basic ground of being, like uh, like fundamental goodness in the basic ground of being so there's this idea that like once you strip away the interpretations and the ideas and the mental noise and you just pay bare attention to reality this thing emerges which is this basic goodness mm-hmm. and so i i kind of wanted to do this episode to say wait like yeah like nothing can save you and this is where i think i i like my formulation better than leonard cohen's that nothing can save you. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's true. But there are things that help. And we'll get into some of like what those things that help are. But but what it means is that you can make things better. And, um, and that that's like a real thing. That there's like a difference between good and bad and better and worse. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think what happens is... And maybe I'm just I'm speaking for myself here, but I do I I want to generalize a little bit. And if you're listening, kind of see if this see if this fits for you. But I think what happens is when we're when we're little, we we experience difficulties that are so extreme that it's intolerable to our system, and we create you know what Carl Bukait talks about these like structures of hope where we and this is what it means to like that something will save me is we kind of go like that was so terrible i need i need to be saved and it's an absolute salvation it's like a hope for an absolute salvation and we want someone to just come and fix it and so we want life to just be perfectly fixed Mm -hmm. and this is where flapping comes from is it's like this striving for this state of life through whatever means, you know, we listed all of the means of flapping in the the down episode or some of them, but like whether it's through religion or whether it's through shopping or whether it's through drugs or whether it's through romantic partnership or whether it's through career or whatever, but this this reaching for a a something which will create a perfect salvation for your life. When I just get here, everything's going to be fine forever and I can just, I don't have to worry about anything anymore, right? And so it is in that sense that we say uh, nothing will save you. Mm-hmm. And the good news, you don't need saving. But if, if your nervous system is in this kind of activation, this trauma, there are things, and what happens is you, are, you have been disconnected from the ground, the basic ground of goodness. And there are things that you can do which will bring you back into relationship with the basic ground of goodness one piece at a time. But it's, it's like we think that what's going to make us feel better is having the perfect relationship with the most amazing partner who's sexy in all the ways that we want and, you know, like uh, gets on with our family, like the whole whatever your list of criteria is, likes the same shows and whatever. Uh, having this amazing career where we get paid a huge pile of money to, to be like to do something that we're just naturally brilliant at and we get paid and everybody adores us and you know we're 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 kind of like famous or we're leaders in our field or we just like nail it uh that we have like this incredible home that like you know uh, we have like we're friends with oprah like whatever like that there's just like some kind of glorious end state whatever it is for you right we think that that's the thing that's going to make us feel better and it's very sexy and it's a long way off. But what actually makes us feel better is having a shower, drinking enough water, like sleeping enough time in the day, uh, like saying, uh, like naming our bad feeling when we have it in a not in a sexy way. And it's not this huge fucking <laughs> spiritual catharsis where you say, 
I feel sad. And then suddenly you're like, oh my God, like all the grief of my family lineage is vomiting out of my stomach in this crazy release. And then afterwards I'm in like kaleidoscopic ecstasy for the next. I mean, that shit happens. Like that does happen. But you don't, like you can't orient your life around those kinds of experiences. That's not the thing that just makes you feel better. What makes us feel better is this really not sexy bread and butter. And and this is, I mean, Jesus, like... I've heard people talking about self-care for years in the tra- transformational <laughs> therapy, self-development world. And I've been self-care, yeah, that's like a girl thing where you take a bath. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, like, that's literally, when someone says self-care, what I imagine is a woman in a bath with, like, candles and, like, scented oils and, like, and I'm just like, I don't that, that's not interesting. Like, that's, there's nothing. And I'm now having just tended to this kind of re-emergence of this early trauma. I'm like, oh, I understand what self-care is about and it's really fucking important and it's really good, but it's not <laughs> sexy in the least. I mean, the woman in the bath is, is the sexiest it gets, right? <laughs> Mostly it's like going to bed before midnight and drinking enough water, right? It's like, that's, that's the thing that actually makes you feel better. Like if you just do those things and you know, this does come back to the grid. Like we were paying attention to this before. Like if you just every day do the things that you know to do that are good for you in this really boring way, right? This really like not, I keep saying not sexy, but like not dramatic, not intense way, but just like, this is good for me. And I know it's good for me because after I do it, I feel a little bit better. Mm. And when Mm -hmm. I don't do it, I feel a little bit worse, right? And like, Mm -hmm. that's your compass in navigating and moving towards the good. We have a friend who, who has this process, the one, two, three process where he works with he uses to work with trauma and the one and the three are the same thing. And they're just paying attention to your experience, to your physical body sensations, to your emotional sensations and to the quality of your thoughts uh, in that kind of meditative way of paying attention to thoughts where you're not like thinking your thoughts, you're observing your thoughts a little bit objectively. Um, And then doing an intervention, some kind of something and then coming back and uh, doing that same kind of scan of your of your experience and noticing whether it made it worse or better, or how it changed. And so um, I think that that's the compass towards the good is just this just this sense of like what are the things which make me feel better? Not not right like not save me, not remove all pain. Mm-hmm. right because because if you're looking for the thing that removes all pain if you are looking for that thing that removes all pain you're always going to be disappointed mm-hmm. and so you're so you're going to have this filter where you're going like is this the thing does this work does this work does this work and nothing's going to work because nothing saves you right but there are definitely things that make you feel better and so like this is that's kind of the, the the missing piece that I want to add to that conversation of the down that we had is just this idea that, like, nothing saves you, but things can make you better, can make you more well, can make you feel better. and and But that's a gradual process. And we have to do some kind of... We have to do some letting go of that sense, that, that reaching for salvation. And it can be... And that's what the down is all about. So we're not going to get back into that. And so a couple of things we're going to get into in a little, just a little more detail is like what, what helps, like what, (laughs) you know, like, so that's going to be something. And then also there's something that's a little more philosophical um, about the, 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 I'll just say kind of like the nature of better and worse and, and good and bad and, and um, all of the history of time. Oh, good. So, so we're going to get into that as well. Um, <laughs> but I, I want to pause here. And I just said a whole bunch of stuff. I, Lynn's like, what's up for you when you hear all of this, or when you think about this subject? I think it's really good. I, you know, I, I have personally worked more personally in my life. I've worked a lot with the relationship is going to save me. Um, mm-hmm. And relationship is not going to save me stance. And I work with a lot of women. And I, you know, there was a period of time where I was saying, 
it will not save you. You know, like being really fierce about how you have to let go of, of, of men at saving you and relationship will never help. And then now that I'm in relationship, I notice, oh yeah, it's not saving me, mm-hmm. you know, but it's good, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I've, I, and, but you know, it, you know, it brings up some stuff and like I worked through it and, but, but like, oh yeah, like I see why I wanted to be in healthy romantic relationships so much because there's so many good qualities of it, right? Like there's, there's like comfort and like companionship and you know, cuddling, like physical, you know, there's just like good things. But um, but in no way is it saving me from the experience, the, the painful experience of being a human and being in life. Mm-hmm. And so there's a difference. So so what I'm now saying to women is relationship. And I've always I've always supported women in wanting relationship because I've always wanted relationship. You would kind of be a terrible dating coach if you were like, <laughs> no, nah, you just don't want to be in a relationship. Well, right. Right. And that's just so not true. Right. Like, like, but what I what I'm trying to do is unhook uh, continuously with myself and with my clients, unhook women from this from that that narrative of I'm I will be okay once I meet the one Mm -hmm. because Mm it 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 doesn't make them happy day to day. It certainly wasn't making me happy day to day. Mm-hmm. I was in longing. I was trying to change myself. I was trying to lose weight. I was trying to like do all sorts of things to make myself better so that I could. And I wasn't actually paying attention to what could make me feel good today. And then mm-hmm. the, and then once I and I had to do something really drastic to get out of this mentality because mm-hmm. I feel like I was deeply conditioned because I feel like in my family system relationship, I feel like in my family system, the narrative is once you're in relationship, you will be OK. And right. then I and I see that you know not really true, and then flapping about well what's going to help blah blah blah. So I had to like really you know that's why I did nine months of celibacy because I had to really unplug from that yes. narrative to get back to home base where I was like oh I like myself oh yes, and then I started building on that and then doing things that made me feel good in in day to day that had nothing to do with being seen by men. Uh-huh. And then being seen by men started feeling good again. And then relationships started feeling good again. And like, oh, and 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 then from that place I actually think relationship emerged. Yes. Right. When when there was a there was like less less of an intense voltage on on the presence or absence of it. Correct. You kind of dialed down the charge. I dialed down the charge and dialed up liking myself taking care of myself. Yeah, it, it wasn't, it was not, se- celibacy is not the sexiest, you know, project. Although I kind of tried to make it sexy because, you know, you know, I was like, I'm celibate, you know, and I, and I took a lot of pride in, in, in the, in the no man plan that I did, but, but it wasn't fun. It wasn't like, ooh, like, you know, it wasn't like going to an ayahuasca ceremony and like having my head blown away. It was just like, no, day to day, I have to say no to men and hooking men and dressing up just for men to you know like I, you know and i had to be and i was like no alcohol not 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 super fun but wow did it change my well-being mm-hmm. right and the other thing i want to say about that is that i work with a lot of women and i talk about self-love and and i i'm struggling and and after you talked i was like oh this is helpful for me because i've been really struggling to describe self-love and i think people when i'm like okay self-love is so important like self-love is the most important thing when you have self-love then relationships get better and like la la i love self-love i love self-love but i'm realizing self-love is actually pretty boring mhm it's like cuz you hit self-love and you think falling in love or like ecstatic right divinity within right which once again is available is but available it's, I but you don't live it, there but you don't live there and you can't count on it every day it's not an integratable relationship towards life as far as i know maybe you know call me in 30 years maybe i'll get somewhere we'll change the name of the show it'll be it'll be how to be an ecstatically happy super being godhead yeah but that's not our show, and that that kind of reaching for that has actually caused us more suffering than what is now the show, which is how to be an okay person, right? And have a relationship with life that feels trusting 
and neutral to positive. And you can, you know, eat pizza, but also work on your health and have friends, but also have, you know, a spiritual practice where you, you do feel that divinity once in a while. It's like a holiday. It's like a nice, it's a nice holiday. Yeah. So I, so I like this. I'm realizing that this is a, I'm, I'm, I'm learning I'm currently learning on this recording of how I can actually describe self-love in a way that doesn't crash people too. Cause I've, mm-hmm. I notice when I talk about self-love, like people crash. Well, I don't mm-hmm. feel self-love. I don't, I, I'm not getting it. I'm not getting it. And then that's stressful. It's like, no, no, no. I'm talking about just feeling mm-hmm. generally at peace, but not, not totally peaceful, not serenity now, but more like, yeah, okay. Okay. Right. And it's a stance towards yourself. It's not necessarily an experience, right? There's that like corny 70s book, Love is a Verb, right? Or I don't know if it's a book or what, but right. But but like that, I think that that's helpful where it's like, it's not like if you're looking for the experience, um, then again, you're going to be in this state of like, well, this isn't it. This isn't it. This isn't it. But but actually, it's just a stance. And so it's a thing that you choose to, to hold towards yourself. And sometimes you're going to follow that stance and that's just practice, right? Like all practices are like that. But like the stance is the stance of self-love. Mm-hmm. So I want to get just a little bit more into like, well, what, you know, what are some of the things that help? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. And so one, one way of thinking about trauma, you know that you are in the presence of trauma if you are not in a like kind of relaxed awareness. Mm-hmm. Right, like a basic comfort and relaxed awareness, right? And of course, there's going to be deviations from that. There are going to be like emotional changes. Mm-hmm. Where something Especially happens. if you're female and you have hormonal cycles. Right, yeah. And, but, you know, men as well, there's going to be emotional changes and there are life events and there are, yeah, like hormonal roller coasters and astrological changes potentially, although not really. We're not sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever floats your boat. There are things that affect your kind of mood and your your emotional experience. So that's like, that doesn't, that's not trauma. But trauma is where you're like kind of locked out of, like if you're not experiencing trauma states, then you're in a kind of basic, you can return to a relaxed awareness relatively easily. Mm-hmm. So you have an emotional experience, but then you return to a relaxed awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some stress in your system, but there's also just available relaxed awareness. If you are kind of feeling consistently locked out from that, then I think that that's a really good sign. Whether you're locked out from that because you are kind of experiencing some kind of emotional distress that's like pretty chronic or regular acute emotional distress that's like intense and overwhelming or uh dissociation like where you're just not even like you're not aware enough of your experience to feel like in a relaxed awareness right like there's two parts there's relaxed and there's awareness so some people are aware but they're not feeling very relaxed and then other people uh might be not be aware that they're not relaxed but they're not very aware, like they're not just like in their body grounded, letting life contact them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so so these are all kind of signs and symptoms. And like, I'm not trained in this. This is like total layman stuff. But these are the this is how I understand it. Like the signs and symptoms that there's like trauma in your system, which is kind of being activated in some way and is and is disconnecting you and so if any of that makes sense i actually think just like looking for someone that does trauma therapy uh is is a way that helps right like that's something that actually helps and working with trauma is going to be this process of like moving towards what actually feels good um and it's and it's something that it's you know it's that it's tricky business so you definitely want trained professionals with it and there's a bunch of interventions that um that they're going to have and there are different people and you know it's like shopping for therapists is a thing um but i would definitely say like that's that's something mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. and then beyond that is just like then it gets just like anything that makes you feel better i mean and now we're just kind of we're like a broken record but like you know I, things that are addressing your your basic health so like sleep food like eating well um water exercise like friends those things boring not sexy but like social life connection spiritual practice mindfulness practice being around people like on the regular Mm -hmm. um and 
and especially if it's like people that you can be honest with about how you're feeling, right? Like I think that that's, yes, that's another thing that that's really helpful. And again, like not in this kind of crazy, like cathartic way, although sometimes it is, but just, hey, how's it going? Uh, having kind of a shitty day. Like I'm not feeling, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. It's like when you're doing it, it doesn't seem very interesting or that helpful. But if you don't do that for a few months, it, it that causes problems. <laughs> I'm now I'm speaking from direct experience. <laughs> this is this is one of my ways that I kind of disconnect. Is like I I disconnect from people and I'm like ah what what's the point of people whatever and then uh, I get kind of backed up. Um, but yeah, spiritual practice like meditation, praying, like if you have some kind of like spiritual community, a church, a sangha, like a congregation, like something that you I think that's really good. Um, like massage, things like that, right? Like having someone attend to you. One of the experiences I had, um, you're gonna get a little, get a little woo-woo on, on you now, but not just a tiny bit, whatever. It's okay, you already knocked astrology, so you're, you, you can, you, you've got a little bit in the bank. One of the experiences I had that kind of started the seed of this, this conversation was while I was kind of working with this nervous system activation, this trauma, um, I I went to see an energy healer and had a session with this energy healer. And she does cranial sacral, but she also does kind of her own brand of energy work. And um, and it just really helped. It just like really, really, <laughs> really helped. I just walked out of there and I was feeling much better than I was when I walked in. And I was like, huh, that's interesting like that made a real difference so i think there's things like that i think this is where a lot of those alternative therapies really like the the this is where they do their best work like you know i think if you're um i mean i i've heard that people get good results from homeopathic uh treatment of pollen allergies hay fever um i have not experienced that i'm actually going to try it again i tried it when i was when i was a teenager and it did not help um (laughs) And, and my guess is it just don't help like homeopathic remedies and <laughs> just not so good for pollen allergies. But I, I, I kind of I I'm hesitant because I really want it to work. And I've heard that it works like I've heard that for some people, it's actually a really helpful intervention. But here's where these like alternative therapies, I think, are really, really good is in that like nervous system distress mm-hmm. and resolving it like acupuncture, like mm-hmm. aromatherapy, massage, um, aromatherapy. Why not? Good. I like it. I, I mean, didn't I didn't know you could you could sign off on aromatherapy. Yeah, I mean I've not ever done aromatherapy personally, but it 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 makes intuitive sense to me that that kind of I've definitely felt different smells impact my nervous system in different ways. Good. Like I think that's a real thing. Yeah. Um so but not astrology. <laughs> that's where you that's where you draw the line. Well, cuz it just plays into it Saving. just plays into all of our, all the flapping. Yeah, it it like, it doesn't. I was gonna say like all the things that you're mentioning. One of my filters now for hiring professionals is: do they help me get back to myself and trust myself? Mm-hmm. And do they give me tools that I do? They empower me to actually change my life and uh, trust myself even more. Like to the point where actually I don't need them unless I would like to. Right. Um, that's a big filter for me now. Right. And, and, and those are not as sexy. Those healers are actually not as sexy. Totally. They are not, um, I don't get to project so much onto them. They're, they're humans doing good service work. And some of them are masterful and magical. And I do get like, I do feel the, the divine, but I'm not in any kind of stance of like worship or projection. Yes, and it's really different from there are there are the healers where you kind of hand yourself over to them and they are going to do magic on you and and there's that different dynamic which is a projection and which is the salvation di- dynamic and right. it's this really different thing of like if I just study with this person for long enough if I just get enough sessions with this person that I'm going to like yes. break through and be as as wonderful as they are and be as you know and it's like no that's not it Right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, and it's but super like, compelling. And I'm, you know, I did it many times, and it it was amazing. I mean, it was a wild ride. But I think right. when I crashed, 
so many times afterwards, there was a point, and it also took meeting several teachers in my life that kind of taught me about all this stuff, but you crash so many times and you're like, okay, I actually, I just need to get more sleep and go to therapy every week right. <laughs> and exercise and, and still go for my dreams, but not in the same way. So, so I think like, that's, that's what we want to say about what helps. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to get a little philosophical now. Watch out. I, I, I think that there's like another current. I think if you keep following the thing, like what makes me feel better, what makes me feel better, that that starts to lead to, or it's just connected with this other compass. Maybe it's the same compass. I don't know how it all fits together, which is this, like your, your unique desires in the world and for the world. Right. So it goes from just like, well, what makes me feel better? And like starting to follow that compass to like, what is it that like brings the lights on? According to mainstream accepted scientific view of the world, there was a moment about 13 billion years ago, which, you know, we call the Big Bang. We don't really know that much about that moment. It's it's freaky how much we possibly know about it. Like, it's kind of insane. But still, like the actual moment itself and... It's what what we know about is we what we possibly know about is the stuff that happened immediately afterwards, like in the in the first hundredth of a second. But like the actual moment, like is kind of a mystery and probably always will be. It's one of those things. It's just like eh, probably not ever gonna really figure it out. But maybe eh, who knows? But anyway, whatever. Thirteen billion years ago, uh, this reality came into existence, and it you know it started out as this uniform cloud of hydrogen, just this gas. And it, and it was very dense, very dense gas with a lot of energy in it. And it very quickly expanded outwards. And it's been expanding outwards ever since, 13 billion years. This, this cloud of gas in space is expanding outwards. What, what happened next is like over, over you know, millions of years, the, the cloud of gas, because of gravity, as it expanded out, started to, the cloud started to coalesce into these clumps. And the clumps got denser and denser and denser until they were like as dense as they could be, at which point they're kind of having this intense like energetic process happening. And these are stars, right? So the hydrogen collapses down and it creates stars. In the middle of these stars, this process is happening, which starts to spit out um, or starts to create uh, denser materials than just the hydrogen. The hydrogen is a very simple element, but, but other denser, more complex elements start being created in the hearts of these stars when the stars die these materials kind of explode outwards or float through space and um, they start to form planets and so after a while you have these stars and more stars are forming and and then you have planets which are made of these denser materials that are that are orbiting the stars because of gravity now on at least one planet this is the one we know about maybe there's more we don't know but on at least one planet, something else happened uh, about 5 billion years ago. So 8 billion years into this whole process, which is that the chemical processes that were just happening naturally on this planet produced certain very complicated combinations of chemicals, which had the property that they would make copies of themselves. These little things... That was that were just the right shape and the right kind of dynamics that they would make copies of themselves. And then once you had that, they started making many, many copies of themselves. So this is life, and so this is the first life. We don't really know how that transition happened. There's some theories that are really interesting, but we don't really know the specifics. But for some reason, or, or this happened. This happened. This, this transition from where there weren't any such things as as things which make copies of themselves to there being these things which make copies of themselves. We call that life. Uh, the, the early life were these kind of microorganisms, these singles. I mean, even they didn't have cells. There was a point where it was just kind of just this code that was replicating itself over and over again in a soup. Then at some point they built cells to protect the code because that, that meant that it was more likely to replicate itself. And this whole process goes on and on and on. Um, and then you get plants, right? You start off with these single cell organisms. Next you get plants, you get like kind of algaes and then you get like plants with more structure and then you get plants that you know um 
and all these plants are deriving their energy from sunlight. And then later on, you get some animals, right? Like you get fish that come and the fish eat the plants. And so they're this new thing that doesn't directly get its energy from the sunlight, but that gets its energy from other things, which gets their energy from the sunlight. So you have these fish. And then you start getting carnivorous fish, which eat the other fish. So there's like even more removed. There's sunlight coming down that makes the, gives energy to the plants. Plants give energy to the little fish and then the big fish eat the little fish. And, and so, you know, we have, this is the food chain now. And then some of the fish uh, go for a little explore and they figure out that they can kind of flip out onto the land and they can get some, you know, some plants that were growing on the land that the other fish couldn't get. And so they start doing that. And then eventually, like, these flippers are not so good on the land. So <laughs> they start to, the fish that have, like, kind of long, strong flippers start to do better than the fish that have flippy, flappy swimming fish flippers. And you end up with, like, lizards, right? And, and walking around. Um, and I don't know if that's exactly exactly the transition that happened, but you know this is the basic gist, the story. I'm what I'm talking about, and you guys are figuring it out, is is the story of evolution. So then we kind of fast forward, we fast forward, and we get to monkeys, we get to apes, we get to chimpanzees, um, and then we keep going, and then we get to human beings, which start out as apes. They're a kind of ape. We 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 are a kind of ape, and. And so some of the previous apes were starting to get into tools where they were starting to figure out they had these hands and they had these brains. These brains were, were increasingly sophisticated because they had to figure out these complicated social dynamics and because they had to navigate through swinging through the trees. So they had to get like a really accurate mental model of three-dimensional space and they had to get a really accurate mental model of like social space and the social hierarchy and so all these things start to develop and then they figure out like hey if you get this stick and you poke this pile of dirt ants come out and, and try and attack the stick and then you can eat these ants that's really cool like i don't have to work as hard to get this protein and whatever other tools that they developed right and then we get to humans humans come along and then they develop this 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 meta tool this uber tool language so they develop this tool where they can actually learn something and then communicate that learning to somebody else and then that other person knows the thing without having had to have the experience that taught the first person the thing right like that's what language does it means that you can know something without having to have had the experience and it's just a game changer i mean we all know right but i just want to i just want to take a moment and like bow at the at the the magnificence mm. of that transition mm. that there we were figuring everything out for ourselves maybe watching this other guy do something and do it and now you know i can watch a youtube video about how to set up the my recording software to get the best quality sound and then i can just do it and i don't have to like i mean it's such a weird example because like the monkey's trying to figure out trying to figure out uh adobe audition but but like there's this magnificent transition that's what i want to say and then you know the last ten thousand years has been the, the history of civilization which is the history of these language animals that are us building in an evolutionary way in the same way that like the fish grew legs and then the the lizards grew opposable thumbs we're building all of these layers of understanding and and uh wisdom up to the current moment where we're at. So this is this is evolution. And so what I want to observe, and this is the this is kind of like going back to this ground of being idea. What I want to observe is that like this like this tendency for reality to increase in complexity and to increase in intelligence is innate to reality. Right, and this is where I diverge from the the kind of traditional mainstream scientific understanding right now, where they would say, I mean, they like this is a monolithic thing, but like that kind of basic traditional understanding is that this process was all pretty random, and that there are just some dynamics that happen to produce this result. Right, like if you have self-replicating systems and you have a mechanism for selection, then what happens is an is that the systems adapt to be as fit as possible for their environment, blah, blah, blah. This is kind of like the, the normal story of natural selection, Darwinian evolution. I think it's missing a piece, which is, the, which is the basic ground is intelligent. The basic ground is conscious. The basic ground is reaching for an increase in complexity, an increase in intelligence, an increase in consciousness, and an increase in goodness.
And and so so there's a point. This comes from Ken Wilber now, and Ken Wilber is talks a lot about all this stuff, and he's very very good. We'll link him in the show notes. He talks about the dialectic of progress, the good news bad news nature of progress. So the first thing that you have to acknowledge, and this is this is a tricky point for some people, uh, and especially in some kind of self development cultures, spiritual cultures, is to acknowledge that there has been progress, but you just have to look like. Like if you just look from a long, because people are like, oh man, you know, people there's a there's a there's a move where you look back to like early tribal life and you say that they had it right, 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 they had it right. We have to if, get back to that. We have to get back to that. We have to. That's get back when to it the was good. With the family and like and like working with your hands and like living directly in relationship with nature and like that's good stuff. But they didn't have it right. They were dying of fucking like abscesses in their teeth when they were 30 they were terrified of starving they were like enslaving each other they were like there was all kinds of things they did not have right at all right so like you no one would switch back like really no one would switch back like you you would not if you could spend like a year back in time living in that world you would come back here and you'd be like Holy fucking shit. Good I'm to be so home. I'm so grateful. It's good to be home. Let's Whole go to Target. Amazing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, like, and, you know, and they have some stuff that we can learn from. We want yes, to reintegrate. Yes, right? So that we want to include now. But the dialectic of progress is the idea that there's good news and bad news at each stage of development. So, so here's the example. Like a, a, a dog, much more intelligent than a rock. A dog can do things that a rock cannot do. It can move of its own volition it wants it wants to go somewhere it will go there um it can communicate right like dogs have kind of communication they bark they growl uh it it can remember things it can learn like it's just you know so much cooler than a rock you know you have to choose between a dog and a rock you're always going to choose the dog that's the good news bad news dogs get cancer rocks don't get cancer Mm -hmm. you know dogs die period rocks don't die Mm -hmm. a rock can be smashed into a thousand pieces but if you leave a rock in a safe place for 10,000 years, the rock will just be there 10,000 years later. If you leave a dog in a safe place for 10,000 years, you don't have a dog. So, and then again, like come to humans, dialectic of progress. We are way cooler than a dog. And again, people will be like, no, we're not. Dogs are the best things. The more <laughs> the more people I meet, the more I love dogs, you know? And it's like, fuck off. Like people are the most interesting thing we have come across. Just period. They just are. Everything else is a kind of some kind of pose and it's some kind of protection. But the truth is we've, we're exquisite, fascinating kaleidoscopes of consciousness that is like nothing else that's ever existed. And hooray for us. And not only do we get cancer and die like dogs, but we get mental illness in ways that dogs don't. Like dogs kind of get some forms of trauma and some forms of of depression but we get like existential angst we get schizophrenia we get like you know we get we get uh sociopathy Mm -hmm. we create we have wars we commit genocide right like we do all of these things that dogs are just not capable of and so this is the dialectic of progress good news bad news good news bad news despite and so this is the last kind of piece i want to bring in here despite that good news bad news there does seem to be a current towards improvement. And so this is, there's a book that just came out uh, by Steve Stephen Pinker called Enlightenment Now. Not meaning enlightenment like the Buddhist sense, but in the uh, like Western philosophical sense, like the enlightenment of the, the 17th century or whenever that was. Basically, his argument is that in basically every way that we would care to measure, things are getting better. And, and his whole book is just a chart of graphs that are going... <laughs> down like the violence is going down the poverty is going down the disease is going down like it's just this it's just a whole book of charts going down all going up if it's like the wealth is going up you know the all of these things there's a and and you know there are subjections i don't i can't like address the whole thing he even said natural disasters are going down which doesn't really make any sense but apparently natural disasters everything is getting better even natural disasters the only thing that's getting worse is our perception of all of this stuff which is getting worse and worse and and there is this experience that a lot of us are having which i think is generated by social media by this yeah by social media and by just the changes in the media brought on by the internet and you know we talked about this in previous podcasts there is this experience that people are having that this is like the most catastrophic time 
that there's ever been that everything is going to shit and it's just it's not accurate like by any metric that you really want to measure it's not accurate and there are little micro fluctuations and and you know but things are as good as they have ever been and they look like in general are in a positive trajectory this does not mean that we get to go to sleep at the wheel the reason that they're in a positive trajectory is because people keep trying to make things better mm-hmm. right and so this is where this ties in this is like it's not just about like how can i feel better myself but also what can i make better in the world right and like the, it's possible to make the world better and that's that's just a good question how can i make the world better what ways and it doesn't again it's, it's different from how can i save the world how can i come up with some kind of plan that's like this this perfect system for for fixing everything but just like in this moment today in this interaction or in a longer scale with like in in this year like how but in all these ways like how can i make the world better because it's the the reason you know that we have like roads and cars you can drive on this road and you know there's cars there are problems with cars but now we're trying to fix the problems with cars but that you can go to the grocery store and you can get these groceries and why are the groceries there because of other cars on other roads and because of the farmers and like that that means that we're no longer in this like survival level scarcity of like are we going to have enough to eat the reason for that is because of generations of people making things better and so, like, this is kind of the, the human project. But I think it's more than the human project. This is kind of like the Alan Watts frame as well, who, if you haven't listened to Alan Watts, you definitely listen to Alan Watts. He's amazing. You know, he says, you didn't come into this world. Like, we have this expression, you, you came into this world. I came into this world, you know, child of so-and-so and so-and-so. And it's like, you didn't come into this world. You came out of it. You emerged from this world as a as a part of it. And in mm. exactly and again, like Alan Watts quote, in exactly the same way that an apple tree apples, in that it produces apples. Right? It apples. That's part of what an apple tree does, is it apples. The world that we live in peoples. <laughs> the sweetness and the, the juiciness and the everything, like the, the health of the qualities of the apple are implicit in the tree even when there are no apples the tree is still in its nature is that sweetness and juiciness it's just not in the expression and so in the in the world even in that moment of the big bang where and and the moment directly afterwards where all you had was a sea of hydrogen implicit in that in the nature of it is all of the goodness all of the beauty all of the wisdom and the and the creativity and the intelligence that we see today that has built this world that we get to enjoy so that's the good hello future robbie here actually very future robbie uh i'm editing this a long time after it was recorded the reason I'm interrupting is because while editing, I realized that I didn't quite connect up and make the point that I wanted to make about the the evolutionary trend, which is the whole reason I did that whole spiel. So I don't know if you remember, but at the beginning of that spiel a long, long time ago, I started talking about desire and how as you follow that question of what feels good, what makes you feel better and kind of follow in that direction, it starts to unfold into what do I want, right? And this desire. And so what I, what I want to claim is that that desire, that drive to make things better for you, but also for the world, right? It's both. When you have desire, often it, it starts as a desire for yourself and then it unfolds into a desire for more than just you. Uh, into a desire that's beyond just you transcends you and so what i want to suggest and and have you inquire into is the idea that that desire that emerges in you that directionality that compass is the thing which has driven all of evolution up till now Right, not just in the kind of reductive sexual desire drives reproduction of the species, right, but in the broader sense that like the desire for the hydrogen atoms to come together into stars, the desire for the fish to walk onto the land, 
all of these things, that impulse, that that innate quality of the universe. You know, I talked about some innate qualities like intelligence and goodness. Desire is also an innate quality of the universe. Uh, in this in this context, you might call it eros. And this erotic impulse is the impulse toward greater and greater depth, greater and greater richness and complexity, and and greater and greater expression of all of the other innate and implicit qualities of the universe. So that's how those two things connect. I just, I needed to finish that thought nine months later. Okay, enjoy the rest of the show. All right, there's some philosophy. I feel like I just talked a lot. Science! I definitely definitely want to hear Everyone stretch, take a good little stretch. (laughs) Move some of your limbs, take a few deep breaths. That was good. I like that. I mean, that. what do you think? I want to. I want to make up a jingle for your new science show. <laughs> I love it. I my my motto in life has always been everything is going to work out, mm. and I think that that's true. And I've you know in in the in the depths of the down, I have thought we are all fucked and we are screwed. I'm screwed. You're screwed. Everything. This is all a joke. And you know, I've had moments in that. But what I return to is a basic um, knowing that it's all working out, everything's working out, and things do get better. And Mm. so it matches for me, like, how I experience life. And it's not to say life is not painful and hard, but then there's growth that comes out of it, and then it challenges you. Like, everything you're saying right now is coming from a really hard time for you. Mm -hmm. But you're back in touch with the good in a way that you weren't before. Mm -hmm. For sure. And I, you know, I, I'm not a science buff, but I like that Steven Pinker because it matches, matches, it just matches my own life of like, I think that things are bad and actually things are getting better. Mm -hmm. And then he has science, like actual graphs, which is nice. (laughs) That's always good. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I think about is that there's just like evolution. Yes. Things are getting better. Yes. And with age, right? Like you grow and you learn and you get wiser and you get wiser and then you start learning more and more of what works for you, who you are and what works for you and returning to the good. And I, I think there is a there is a natural current that we can that we can be in there. And and again, not to say that it's not painful. And there's been, you know, times in my life where it's been just like pure pain for a while. Mm-hmm. But then that always delivers me to finding like, OK, well, that this is not working. There's a certain point where you're like, well, this is not working. Right. I'm sick of this. This pain and suffering, I'm actually tired of it. I'm actually bored. For me, it's like, I'm kind of bored. Okay, Mm -hmm. what's next? And then there's Mm -hmm. just this natural impulse that at some point, no matter how far down you are, will take over. And whether you let run with that or not, some takes some life experience, I think. And, and And then on you go. Okay, well, that's our show. The good. Yeah. The good. As always, we're going to do the bad and the ugly next time. Um, as <laughs> always, we would love to hear from you. If you yes. have thoughts, experiences, um, you can tweet us uh, at H2BOK. Uh, you can get a hold of us on the website, um, howtobeanokayperson.com. And yeah, let us know. Let us know what you think. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thank you. Take care. Even desserts going downhill. Sugar. I had birthday cake and I was just like, I feel sick. No, yogurt though. Triple cream. That's dessert. Triple cream yogurt. We're so, I think this uh, this show could also be called Growing Up. (laughs) (laughs) Sleep is important. (laughs) Stop going to crazy ceremonies and get some sleep. Children, no more sugary birthday cake. There's triple cream yogurt from Siggy's. It's good yogurt, though. It's the best yogurt. That man, Siggy. You know how Robbie made a bow to language in this show? (laughs) I make a bow to Siggy. That man did it right.